0: episode 380 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. Wait, 380? It's getting scary. Anyway, um, in this episode, I chat to Ed Orman of Uppercut Games about their adventure game, Submerged Hidden Depths. And believe me, we do go into great depths about Submerged Hidden... no? Don't look at me like that. Just, it was a... It's an open goal. I had to. I had to do it. If I didn't, you'd have all been disappointed and we got very angry emails from all three of you. It would have been terrible. I had to. Anyway, what is Submerged Hidden Depths? It's an adventure game in the purest form. It is a third-person game, but it almost went action-adventure. I'm not going to do that. There is action, trust me. But... There's a lot of path of least resistance going on. There's like an encouragement to essentially explore and see the world that's been created, without the issues of dexterity challenges and things attacking you and you close to death at all times and you constantly, constantly foraging for things. No, none of that. Just. Explore the world, see what's going on, repair it, solve little puzzles, and just enjoy the world that's been made. And it is an extraordinary world, with some extraordinary water effects, which we do delve into, see? Delving deep into. No? Wasted. Just wasted. Anyway, let's move on and listen to me, from the very recent past, talking to Ed. Chris, take it away, Ed. Hello, Chris. Who are you, <laughs> and what do you do?
1: I am Ed Orman, uh, and I am the designer and one of the founders for Uppercut Games in Australia.
0: Right, and he, you are indeed, and we're here to talk about extraordinary game that is submerged, hidden depths, uh, a lot of water. We're going to talk about water in this show, yes, so if you yes indeed if, if you're into into like you know fluid mechanics, you're in for the right you yeah <laughs> here for the right right show it's great, but we'll talk about that you know we'll keep our powder dry. that's a phrase you use often in this show, but uh all right before we delve keep into the that that, water before we dive into that hey <laughs> <so>, oh. oh. <laughs> keep 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 it coming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you make you start making video games, Ed?
1: Uh, I, I've been asked this many times, so I, and I'm approaching my. I'm I'm going to be fifty this year, so yep. I'm 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 getting on. And my answer is old. Uh, I came to games sort of late in my life, like in my, like twenty two, twenty three, I think. And I was desperate for a job. I had studied graphic design at university, desperately trying to find work. Um, had moved to Canberra to get married and couldn't find anything that was particularly fulfilling um and then a job came up for an illustrator for a little company called microforte which was situated in canberra and had some sydney components and so i applied for this job as an illustrator to do illustration for these weird hybrid cd board games like they came with a mouse mat which had the board printed on it and it was a cd and you pop the cd in and um they were a terrible idea from somebody. Anyway, so I did the illustration for that, but whilst I was working on that, you know, I, my background came up and that I was a role-playing gamer, you know, I was a DM and I used to love playing paper-based stuff. And my boss said, well, actually, you know, how would you like to transfer out of this into over to the video game creation side of things? Because, you know, we need somebody who can do design and we need somebody who's, I was a bit old compared to everybody else, or um, well, most of the people there. You know, like, we need somebody responsible who can come over there. So, I jumped over to doing some really small amount of design work on a title called Enemy Infestation, which nobody has ever heard of. Uh, published by Ripcord Games. Um, and this is, I don't even know what year this is. This is 97 or 98. And um, having done that, so it was an isometric science fiction. Uh, game like a like a squad based sort of combat game and um after that game got done microforte pitched to interplay and i'm still not really sure how this came about but interplay needed some wanted somebody to make a fallout game and microforte said well we can do it we've got this isometric game engine so we can totally do that and we have a team which they didn't have um and Truth be told, the engine was not suitable either, but that was what we told Interplay, and Interplay, for some reason, gave us that job. And I got catapulted into, okay, you get to be lead designer on this and be an associate producer. So, boom, there you go. That's me getting into games to work on Fallout Tactics, which was a hell project. Super proud of that. Um, massive experience, you know. Got to go to L.A., see meet people at Interplay, Huge amount of exposure to to developers. There got to go to my first PDC, um, but that was my first, what I consider my first real major project. But you can see, like the way I got there was so backdoor and so sideways, like Illustrator through to this. It was it was just it's uh, what's the word? You can't reproduce it. No, you
0: know, it, I mean uh, I, I, a lot of uh, I can relate to tabletop RPGs. I still play them to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, uh, I, I relate to that and thank you for Fallout Tactics what a game I can appreciate that it was far from far from easy to make because you were taking a beloved IP at that, at that time because by then Fallout 2 had existed and you're like okay mm-hmm. that's, that's a different game made by different people and uh, Interplay were a very interesting company, um, very prolific for good or ill uh, sometimes ill, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. uh, but they did spread their net very, very far too far, and here they are or were. Um, yeah. but um, you know, that's that's, that's 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 what happened. Uh, and there's a very interesting time in the late 90s, people don't often really talk about late nineties unless they just point at Half Life and go, see that's when that happened. Or Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate. They're the two games that people sort of raised the the late nineties is those. Oh yeah, Baldur's Gate and Half Life. That's nineteen ninety eight. There you go. No, there's other yeah. never mind. No, that's it. Um but um no and, and to, to hear you be part of that, that's uh, just, and to see that it's ever since then you're still at it. You know, but, yes. I mean, it, yeah, that's that's quite a quite a thing considering the big sea changes. The biggest milestone change happened in 2007 when the iPhone arrived, and also um, uh, Xbox Live Arcade arrived, and that was that. And here we are. I always yeah. say, you know, and there's, 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 well, suddenly the barriers of entry of game creation and publication fell away. Um, yes. And uh, here we are in the land of Kickstarters and ItchyIO and and all sorts. And it's great. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I do yeah. think it's it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um so the next question for you Ed is you can answer this uh, on behalf of yourself or Uppercut Games I don't mind but it's a it's an important question because you are a creator and as a creator you are driven by something or focused on something whether you like it or not so the question is this as a creator what are your biggest influences
1: Mm. like yeah i don't want to go abroad just like well games and movies Mm. and stuff like indeed yeah specifically Mm. let's go let let me wind back like the paper-based rpg stuff um my friends ran a gamma world campaign for i don't even know how long like like probably a decade uh which was i would call that formative like that game uh I loved Game World. I don't know if, if I'm sure people know what it is, but it's a post-apocalyptic setting, um, particular focus on mutant animals, and you know, like eking out your existence and and dealing with old technology from the before times and all that sort of stuff. But that that campaign just it lasted so long. We had such a great time in it, and that is always that's uh, always stuck in my head. And, and you can see if you look across my portfolio of games, uh, there's an awful lot of post-apocalyptic stuff in there i think i think uh not even necessarily by intention i just i just happened to fall towards that as a, as a setting i really really love that so i can tell you yeah that's that's what well, specific edition of gamma world that we played had a really i can't remember what version it was now i think it's i think it's um third edition but it had a, a, a terrific simplified sort of like combat results and well any kind of results table um, anyway it just it just was really really useful but more than that i think it was just you know the obvious the camaraderie that you get from playing a game with with people for so long um and the ludicrous stories that are specific only to you but but man they they still stick with me so there's there's a paper based sort of inspiration from from the video game side of things uh i i got access to a pc very young my dad used to work for ibm um and so we had a pc in our house from a very young age and I didn't program on it, but I loved using it. Uh, I was hopeless. My older sister could program. My brother, older brother could, could do a bit. I could never get into that, but I loved drawing on it. I loved playing games on it. Um, so text adventures and things like that, uh, like the original Adventure or Colossal Cave and Zork and those and the Hitchhiker's Guide game, you know, like those ones were, were my real sort of gateway in. Um,
0: Despite the Babel Fish puzzle, you still carried on playing video games. Well done. Oh, I, uh,
1: at the time, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know better. I was just like, oh, I guess that's just how it's done. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah. I guess I'll just, suck
0: that up. This is how, <laughs> how maddening video games are supposed to be. Uh, yeah. If you're not well, familiar I, I mean, with
1: we, this, you yeah,
0: only this, had three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's it's a yeah. horrible puzzle. It's awful, but not one of not one of Infocom's greatest. Uh, demonstrations of how to do puzzles and video games or or text adventures but
1: there it is yeah but but yeah like when you only have three games too it's just like well i get i'll just keep playing through this yeah because uh there was no yeah there's no well we didn't have bbs's or anything like there was no i will say piracy was rampant inside ibm which was hilarious um i don't think we ever bought any of those games except adventure or maybe adventure came with one of the pcs right but like yeah we, we the, my copy of Hitchhiker's Guide back then was not was not a legit copy, but yeah, the, the range of games to play was very small. So yeah, you just if, if it sucked, you still played it
0: because yeah. it's a game. Not a bad game. It's just that puzzle really. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Breaks every rule we now follow in game design. It's like yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't yes. do that. Okay. But it's
1: funny. Your influences do change, mm. uh, obviously. As you age, um, uh, yeah, because, well, you know, I guess everybody goes through different phases. And, you know, I moved from Text Adventures to, um, like, the C64 we never owned, but I played a whole bunch of different platformers on that, weirdly. Um, And then Myst, I think, came out when I was at uni. So that was, like, the first, that was, like, a Text Adventure to Life, and I was like, this is amazing, but I still hadn't decided that I actually want to make games. I just thought it was terrific.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't – like, I didn't think that games as a career would ever be possible. Like, like who knew there was even a games company in Canberra when I got that job? Like, nobody was talking about it. The only games companies were in Melbourne or maybe even Sydney. So, yeah, I had no idea that that was waiting for me, but but I'm very glad that I did get into it that sideways way. Like, mm. super,
0: super lucky. Yeah. So, next question – they, they they get harder. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> but this one is demonstrating that you you don't you know live in a splendid bubble, and you do recognize that there are other uh, uh, other developers are available kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, hinting at a question or a discussion we had in the virtual green room, everyone. But um, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? And it can be a person or a company.
1: Oh, boy. They, they do get harder,
0: don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do, yeah. There's oh, <laughs> a mini-boss in them halfway through. it be fine. <laughs> oh, God. Um, wow. Who do you point at and go, you so, there, carry on doing what you're doing. You're great.
1: Well, part of my problem is that I'm terrible with names, and so like I'm, I'm desperately scraping my mind for, like, who is the person that made this game? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man! Well, look, look, I'll th- I'll throw out um, here's a, here's a couple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so That's John Chey, um, right. Jonathan Chey, uh, like one of the founders of Irrational Games, mm-hmm. um, and you know, obviously worked System Shock two before they, you know, um, before he came to Australia and he founded the Canberra studio of Irrational Games, where I ultimately worked. Um, he is one of the smartest people um, in games, but also one of the nicest. And uh, he taught me, I think, everything legitimate I know about design. Like um, as much as Fallout Tactics was a trial by fire, um, when I finally got to join Irrational, John t- taught me so much about design um, working with him. So he's 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 incredible. And so you know, post Irrational games after um 2k bought well, the studio and 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 john left um he's gone on to form blue manchu and they made void bastards um which i think is a great game oh, magnificent and, game
0: know, one of my favorites yeah. of the last couple of years really very funny and terrifying at the same time good game and and
1: six six it's a succinct game is what i want to say you know like it's just He's just, he fires on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, like I say, he's one of the smartest people, I think, in games. Um, so I will always, always look up to him. Uh, and he's Australian, so I'm going to just stick with Australians. <laughs> um, and Matt Hall is another one. Um, he's the creator of Crossy Road. Oh. Uh, you know, completely different genre of game, but but uh, Matt is another one of those incredibly smart, super bright, personable people Um you know, uh, and I think he's just very clever, and again, very, very able to like just, just nail what it is that he is trying to do in a game. Um, mm. You know, and, and be super focused about it, and really execute on it well. Um, and yeah, just just a lovely guy. You know, to talk to him occasionally too. I mean, that that's that's the easy ones because those are the people who I know. No, I'm it's great. To think of like, a, there's, a, there's there's got to be somebody out there. Um, like even from, from from the past, you know, like who else is is still working from the games that really inspired me when I was first starting out. Um, but my but my memory for their names is, is so poor that yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to to come up with anybody else.
0: That's fine. That's fine. I mean, two. I mean, what I do find is that some some guests say, well, "I can't really answer." Them. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings if I forget them, you know, because <laughs> you know oh, so well, many well, people. I, know.
1: I universally forget everybody, so, <laughs> I, so at least I'm even-handed. About it.
0: Even-handed about it. But no, I was fantastic answers, and yeah, Crossy Road one of the few games that took me away from threes on my phone. But it's usually oh wow. But roads usually, usually you go back to. Oh, was like? Oh, I know threes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. 3s three's and, and the Clone Wars, you know. Oh uh, yeah, that
0: the, yeah. It was the one yeah. that
1: really showed it. Well, maybe it's because we were in that community because we were making mobile games then too. Right. Just, we were all talking to each other, so it just suddenly became this huge issue of like, like yeah, cloning, which had probably been going on, must have been going on for ages. Yeah. Well, but it yeah. just that really took it out there. That was
0: yeah. horrible. That yeah, that was. But I always like, I do, I do like the original. Very, it's a lovely little game. And, That's great. Uh, yeah, like up there with Cannibal. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then Super Hexagon. But that game, no,
1: no. Uh, so one of the other things about <laughs> the cut, Ryan uh, Lancaster, he loved Super Hexagon, and he got me into it. Well, yeah. he got me into it for about two minutes. And I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is not for me.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, is, then, I'm not the audience. for You, the amount of times you hear the word line, like, oh, I got to line. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That I mean the music's great when you the you know the th- the three bars that you hear until you have to, yeah, but yeah, it's um, do you know they made a commodore sixty four version of that game
1: oh, like a d make
0: yeah That's
1: interesting yeah. wow,
0: so it's not quite as fast for obvious reasons, but you know.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> so yeah, I could play that one then
0: yeah, exactly, uh, music's good, but again you know sid chip what are you gonna do anyway. Last question of the first half. See, you made it. Well done. And it is this. What are you playing right now?
1: Haha. Ha, that one's so much easier. <laughs> um, all right. I am a long long-term player of Fortnite. That is my play play the game for the hell of it game. It's great. Play that with my friend who lives across the country. And so that's our that's our communication tool. Nice. Um, sit on Fortnite, talk crap. Um I recently finished uh, Deathloop. Finally, I came to that a bit late after everybody else had played it, but I, I really enjoyed Deathloop. Um, I played a game with my daughter the other day called Before Your Eyes, which is <gasps> just yes. an amazing and, and awful thing to play with you. With, she's sixteen, but it, it just it, it hurt her emotionally and it hurt yeah me to see hurt emotionally. It was it was a gut punch. They was, have. It,
0: it, the Brilliant. developers of before Your Eyes have been on the show on the sausage factory, oh, right. so do have a listen to that um we we do if you've finished it, which you clearly have um uh, it's uh, yeah, it's an extraordinary game, but because I actually mentioned this to you said you had an emotional reaction to it, me being a cold hearted Brit that I am, nothing just oh, no seriously, just like okay that happened then well
1: i might have been if i hadn't been playing it with my daughter and it's yeah. it made me tear up actually a little bit just to just talking about it but that yeah really, yeah it, it's,
0: uh, amplified of course was for me deal. it's like okay yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was an experience and the developer was just horrified like no i'm sorry i'm just i'm just repressed british is what we do yes. Don't under yeah me. yeah don't don't show yeah. any emotion don't show any emotion because that that's just weakness. Um, so you know, uh, they made that they they said, don't worry, you'll have a sociopathic episode, you know, yeah. about ten years from now, Chris. <laughs> you'll be fine. I'm sure you're fine. But yeah. no, I'm very happy that you experienced that because um, it's a tough one. It is. Yeah, it's a no, tough it one. And, and but the vo- I think the voice acting, and the fact that they used motion capture, mm-hmm. they did. With the main mm-hmm. that, car- that that little fox man thing yep. that you encounter, that's all you can tell. I know you; you're very experienced. You could tell. Oh yeah, that's a person. you, yeah. you can't oh, animate look, that. That was a person.
1: It was surprising, like because the the concept is sort of simple. Like I I I, I love the concept and the way that it's controlled. Um, but you're right; they could have not done that. Yeah, you know, like I think they really they went the extra mile and they put the quality in there, and it and it does really show. Uh, I, I hope a lot of people play that game. I don't actually know. I haven't really been paying attention to how it's done. I just remember reading the synopsis off and said, well, I, I'm, I need to play that because it's, it's something different. Those so, yeah, who, I hope it's done really well for them.
0: Those who have played it rave about it and they push it as much as they can. But I don't think it's reached the same level zeitgeist as Zeitgeisters Outer Wilds, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, because I believe I do put those in the same place, rightly or wrongly, but they come from the same place very emotionally driven very they ask difficult questions they present themselves in weird and strange ways which are off-putting into many there's a barrier of entry there Uh, one has Mm -hmm. a very difficult control system that many people just don't want anything to do with and move run away from it Uh, whereas myself i spent my youth playing thrust and lula lander i was fine um (laughs) Whereas... Well, so did I, but I was not <laughs> fine. You know, was,
1: the number of times I smashed my ship, I didn't actually, I haven't think it. It's on my shame pile. But yeah, the number of times I smashed my ship into uh, something or got caught in a yeah, tornado. Yeah, it,
0: indeed. It's, the trick is the landing camera, I found very comforting because then I knew where, where mm. I was landing. But then the other side was the uh, before your eyes is the only control is your eyes. You, you are just blinking.
1: Yeah. Or indeed
0: yeah. closing your eyes. I love the fact that you had to close your eyes to stop like, and just listen yeah. just for a second can you just listen it's, just a it's, it's a lovely it's a lovely sentiment we, we don't often do that we don't often do no. that and uh, people just don't know many people just don't, aren't taught or trained in the art of listening active listening is a thing i know mm. you know that ed a mm. uh, being as a, produced, parent, as a parent and <laughs> as, and, and, as and, a, and a and a producer and a director of things you have to listen and oddly don't have to stand there and wait until your turn to talk which is what many people do mm-hmm. oh boy <laughs> but, well that uh, beat let,
1: let me talk about that beat real, real yes quickly. please the, yes the point the point of closing your eyes there that shows that the developers had time they had the time they needed to to reach the conclusion that that was going to be a, a cool thing. Like the whole inverting the mechanics is a great idea and that kind of thing usually doesn't – you don't think about it unless maybe they had the idea from the outset. But you don't – until you get everything built and working, there must have been a point where they went, and here's where we're going to do this. We're going to switch things around and now you have to do, you know, the opposite of everything we told you to do. Because my daughter was sitting here like literally at points. Like I don't, I don't want to leave the scene, you know. I like, no, She was trying to yeah. keep it going. But, yeah, that was just – I don't, yeah, I, you've made me really interested in the team now. And I'm, I'm curious, I, I will go back and listen to the episode because I'm curious about their experience, like how long they've been making games and, and where that idea came from.
0: You'd be surprised, or maybe not. Saw, right. I, I shall leave it at that. I don't want to spoil my own podcast. That'd be awful. <laughs> but, oh, you're very meta as well. It's the first time this has happened. But there it is after all these years. But um, unless there's anything else you want to talk about game wise, we can now move on to the second half. Where we, pun intended, delve deep into submerged hidden depths. Excellent. So, Ed, before we can do the, the diving, I need to know what it is. The, the audience needs to know what this is. So, tell us, Ed, what is Submerged Hidden Depths? So, the,
1: the terrible word that we use to describe it is exploration, and that came out of somebody else's review of Submerged 1. And the reason we say exploration: the whole idea of this game is... We want to create a relaxing place that a player can actually just zen out in exploring, like just actually enjoy being in. And that idea, like, it goes back to like testing other games, like testing in Tribes, even Vengeance or or, or Bioshock, when we worked on that. like We build all of these amazing worlds with all this detail, but then you don't get a chance to actually really kind of hang out in them and and actually investigate them peacefully. So that idea was always in the back there. So that's what Submerged is. I'll, I'll talk about what it actually is. Submerged Hidden Depths is a relaxing exploration puzzle game where you're controlling these two children that have arrived in this sunken city. So this city's skyscrapers that are falling apart but they're sticking up out of the ocean and these two kids arrive in a boat. Um, and the mystery that, that's there is, you know, who are these kids? What is their relationship to this city and the world? What happened to them? And what happened to the city? And the whole purpose of the game is to let you just explore that idea at your own pace and to provide you with glimpses of beauty while you're doing it to the point where you might just want to just hang out, listen to the ocean, and then the creatures and the ambience, and look at the sunset. That's that's the whole thrust of submerged games.
0: Yeah, I, for me, it's a natural evolution from when suddenly games are have they have story mode now. Many games, like mm-hmm. you know, if you don't want to you know go through all the the rigmarole of actually challenging yourself, and you know you don't want a Souls game experience. Uh, whatever that whatever that means, Ed. Um, mm-hmm. Then uh, well, here's a story man. Here's like we dumbed down all the combat, or maybe even like hand waved it. There's a phrase that from tabletop RPGs, hand waving. I do it all the time. Like let's just hand wave mm-hmm. that because it's not important. Um, you've done that. You've said it. Just, just can you experience the world we've made? Uh, it's an example I've often cited in um in other shows where you know that an artist has spent three weeks maybe making a pot for Assassin's Creed only for a player to walk past it for three nanoseconds and not Mm -hmm. even acknowledge, or if they have acknowledged the existence of the pot, they will probably smash it to find anything in it. Mm -hmm. And that sense of, you know, lack of agency because you're more engaged with the target you're trying to take out or, you know, you're trying to avoid, you just, your 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 vision becomes narrower and narrower and narrower to the point where you're typically only focusing on the player character and the whatever they're engaged with. That's what happens. You become this laser focused thing, and all everything mm-hmm. else just blurs. And it's so acute in certain games that they have to the input. Mechanics into the game to force the player to to, to actually stop and smell the roses. It, yeah, can right. You just, can you just like take in what we've made here, please, please? Rather than I, I think you know... like we we got
1: that from shooters. Yeah, I think it's well known. Like you're, you're right about. I think you could execute a lot of first person shooters with boxes. Yeah. Um. And and the mechanics would feel great. They would still feel just as good. And and you you do just your brain just edits out all of the detail like we're making these amazing environments now um with with, you know ridiculous different art styles and it's really great to see all the experimentation but in a lot of games people will really do just reduce it down to what is moving on screen you know like what is the what is the the set of pixels that i actually need to pay attention to in this yeah um so yeah yeah and that yeah that's that's exactly it that was that was like i just want to I just want to actually appreciate yeah. this world for a minute that I'm in, mean, you know, without without the fear of, um, you know, getting stabbed in the back of the head. Yeah. And and submerge was one was not always that way. We got there through a process of uh, like prototyping and and elimination. Like we, the first idea was like you would go into the buildings and go underwater, and but the water would not be in there right? the buildings are somehow watertight and, and there was a stealth combat thing that we also prototyped but we liked being in the boat so much and we liked cruising around this sort of beautiful environment so much that it was really easy to just drop that and just let it go you know and, and people responded when we showed it at, at, at a pax people responded so much to that aspect of it yeah it was like well this is what this is what the game needs to be about you know just just let people just let people be here mm. Which least. is extremely very yeah. reductionist. Like it, it absolutely <laughs> is. Like the the, the submersion in depth in a lot of ways is an answer, I think, to some of the criticisms of the first game um, that there wasn't enough for people to do in it. Um, mm-hmm. Which it, it, it's kind of a weird, uh, it's a very tricky line to walk because we're we're we are we we do not want you to be. Super challenged, and we don't want you to go. God, you know, Christ, what was I doing? And I need a strategy guide or any of that sort of stuff. Um, but at the same time, you want it to be at least interesting enough for the player to be moving through and doing things that you know they do actually still want to spend the time in there to experience the whole story that we've got as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very hard to yeah. that line. And yeah,
0: I think this all really leads me to my first question, which is why I wanted to highlight it. My highlight that you, this, this, you, you've done away with the, what I call the ellipse vision of most players because mm-hmm. I always cite Destiny in a Destiny 2 where the health bar is this crescent above your on the top to indicate because it's perfect because you're not going to move your eyes from that centre mm-hmm. part of the screen. Why would you? That's where all the, everything's happening. It's in the middle of the screen. Why would you look anywhere else? So, they create this health bar that's just at the top of your vision, so you know it's there. It's very clever, and it's something that I find a lot of people are like, well, if you've got a health bar, why aren't you telling them how healthy uh, what the state of condition are? Why are you shoving it in the tiny little corner of the screen which no one's looking at? It happens all mm-hmm. the time it's a, It's like no, just put it in where the player's looking, which you've made a game that forces them to look. Constantly in the middle of the screen, well, you're gonna have to put the health there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But going back to the point of storytelling, really, and exploring the world, because the core of Submerged Hidden Depths is exploration is a reward in its, of itself, the mere act of ex- seeing and exploring things and seeing things. Is the reward is the is the feed the feedback loop to the player to see and find out more to learn more and more has that given you a broader palette for narrative over and above more traditional games whatever that means but i'm just wondering if, mm-hmm. you've, if you've been able is that granted you a broader brush because you don't have to worry too much about the the uh the sheer challenge and, you know, that, that, that just putting up barriers for barriers' sake.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's a fully open world, both both the first game and this one, um, which is challenging. Like, when I say that, like, once you get... There's, there's, there's an introductory scene where we treat you some things, but once you get into the boat, we, we don't stop you from going anywhere. There's literally no lock and key mechanics where we can go, oh, we know the players reached this level. So therefore, we can play this cutscene or, or anything like that. We have to take our hands off. So the storytelling is actually difficult, but but I really like the way that we do it. Um, instead of having to rely on, on that sort of really hardcore scripted sequence of things, you know, we can we can do things like just show you the, the if you're seeing the pictograms that are in the world uh, that you discover, like we can show you. I'm going to say vague, but you know. Uh, tidbits of information, um, and you can discover those in any order. And then you, once you've got enough of them, you can review them and try and piece together yourself, oh, this is the story that's being told here. And maybe by the end of the game, you'll have you'll definitely have all of the story of the characters, um, what happened to them before and what's happening to them now. But you may not have the entire story of what happened to the city because you haven't found every nook and cranny of it. I really like that. I like that the player is is self-motivated to engage with that story as much as they want to um and that we don't have to be just direct we don't have to yell into your face here is you know the here is the moral of this um you know here is exactly what it is that we're trying to say although there is a moral i'm not going to say that there isn't and, and there is politics involved in this, in this game i'm not going to say there isn't but still people can draw some of their own conclusions from what we present to them and i really enjoy that aspect of it it's very different to uh, yeah, like heavily scripted cinematic experiences, which
0: we've worked on before. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that's, that's what it, it reminded me a lot of. The Dig. I'm um, not sure if you're familiar with that game, Lucas but, Lutz? Yeah, the Dig. Um, yeah, there's th- some aspects of it was one of the reasons that drove me to finish that game. Was I want to know what happened to the beings on that planet that those people find themselves? So what happened to them? what's the story behind them why why do they no longer exist what 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 caused their demise and Mm -hmm. it just revealed to you in these pictograms like you've got in in submerged hidden depths whether it was conscious or not i don't whether it was a direct i don't know it just reminded me a lot of that and then when i realized that well because you are not creating all these barriers and creating all these conceits that the, play, the player has to buy into you know um uh, and uh it's it, that's allows you to go another way of of exploring and broadening out your your ability to tell stories because you're not creating these these barriers it's um you know since disbelief it's like yeah it's a suspend one's disbelief it's just like yep it's uh it, this is a world which is actually technically non-threatening, but it still has a lot of questions that need mm-hmm. answering, and challenges do need to be overcome. But they're different forms of challenges; they're not ones that are life-threatening, but they are. Not every challenge has to be.
1: No, you know? well, even
0: un- if I think
1: some players like that, the understanding of the story is one of the challenges. It's not a; it's not a hard challenge, but you know. Piecing that together and deciding what that means is 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 one of our challenges in the game.
0: Yeah. And the yeah.
1: the funny thing, is, like the pictograms, when we made Submerge One, that was seven people full time at its at its biggest, plus um, some external contractors. But it was a very small team. And you know, the pictograms was an answer to, we're a small independent studio, we can't do like the kinds of stories that we did at at Two K. You know, that's that's crazy. We can't do that, um, or we could try and do it poorly. So they were born out of that necessity, but but I really grew to love them and and I think they suit the kind of story that we were trying to tell there. They do affect the complexity of what you can tell, but I, I didn't mind that. Like, it just meant that we had to, you know, go simple and, and keep the story just about, in Suburbed so One, just about the kids, you know, like what is it that's really their motivations, and then in the second one we could expand on that. I know, like it's been said many times, but limitations, like, are sometimes terrific, you know, for for creativity. And, and, yeah, I really like the pictograms as a solution.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, again, relating to the storytelling a little bit here, but I did notice, because it's so freeform and open-ended, and like I said, it's an open world. There it is, just off you go, explore, do do what you like. There's not much in the way of breadcrumbs in uh, submerged hidden depths. It's all very... um, like I say, you just, there is, there's a world, there's, there's a thing that might look interesting over there, there's a, a thing that... Well, just, even, even given right from the outset a, a telescope to look at stuff, like, you know, well, yeah. look, that what's that? Why? Why did you do that? Why did you not give a little bit of direction to the player and say, look, off you go? What, what Was that always the intention?
1: Yes. Uh, yes, it was. And we actually give more... Then I had orig- more breadcrumbing than I had originally even intended, <clears throat> right. um, because uh, we got we got uh, testing feedback, um, and the and the, the answer from that was that it was just too too hands off. Um, the f- I like to compare it to the first game a lot, um, so I'll stop doing that and I'll just talk about the, this game. But, you know, this, the, the first one was a much smaller city, so that hands-off approach worked, actually, worked a lot better because it was only so far you could go without, you know, bumping into something. Um, Submershine in Depths is way bigger. You know, it's a much larger place, and we found that players were having some trouble, even though, like, I think the, the biggest landmarks and the big interactable buildings, which are the places that you really want to go, are fairly obvious. Um, people still have struggled. So Telescope helps you identify those buildings um, you know, we have a the map system which lets you, like, mar- marks those things that you've discovered on there. But even as you get closer to those buildings, we ended up having to put in some signposting more. We already had signposting. If you've seen the, the red flowers, um, which are everywhere, that's somewhere important. You know, we had that element in there, but it just wasn't enough. So... I'm kind of contradicting your question because I'm saying actually we put more in. Like there's the floating <laughs> boys with arrows that actually point you towards. Like this is the direction that the villagers who used to live here who disappeared. This is the direction they would have gone. So this is how they're helping you know other villagers do that. Um, but I I always wanted the reason I resisted that so much was I. It's the same. It's the same as everything else. It's the exploration is is the point. So if I want you to, to sort of take your time and be in this world, I didn't want to be going like, and here's the eight places you can visit, you know, and now go do them in whatever. I, I wanted you to, to take the time to go and find them yourself and maybe see something that you would otherwise not have seen if you didn't just do a direct line, you know, like if we'd mark everything on people would just radiate out from the center each time, just go straight there. So yeah, we wanted people to be able to to, to pick their way through the world and, and yeah, ho- hopefully have those chance encounters with a creature or, or see a vista that they would otherwise not have seen. Like, that's the, that's the rationale for, for trying to be hands-off.
0: Yeah, I call it the Elder Scrolls effect, which <laughs> basically, mm. <clears throat> or, I mean, yes, Bethesda have been masters at it for decades now, and they've actually made an industry from it, or, or you know, a company from it, on the premise that you go walking along and say, well, look at that cave, that looks interesting. What's was that? Let's go over there. So, I'll just pop in there. See what's in there. Oh God! There's the, the big crowd creatures trying to chew my face off. But you know, it's it's You you went there. It's your choice. You have to you know suffer those consequences. Um, and to this day, and regular listeners will know, I still chide myself over the fact that I mainlined Skyrim. I did. <laughs> I did. I just went. I'm just gonna do. I'll get this done. Finished it in thirty hours. Don't do that. Don't don't oh do that, everyone. God. Stupid thing oh to do. My God. Because I just went. I'm not gonna bother. With that. Yeah, that looks a really interesting, cave. But there's an icon right in front of me that's giving me the main quest. I'm just gonna channel through that. And don't get me wrong. I love the main quest. Fantastic. Really good stuff. However, when you've done it, when you save the world. And you go and speak to someone in the camp or something. Look, I'm awesome. I've saved the world. That's great. There's some bandits up the road. Can you go kill them, please? <laughs> that's no rest for you. Seriously? See, I just, but I'd stop the dragons. and I know. That's great. But bandits, it's just like, that'd be great. And when that happens, I it's well, commentary. Yeah. It's deliberate I'll,
1: commentary on, on yeah, know, it the, was. the real world.
0: And uh, yeah, don't do that. And uh, I was really happy to see that you didn't uh, embrace. The, the main line, you actually said, you know, you could keep playing, but what about if you went over there? What's, what's the worst that can happen? You know, uh, it's not yeah. like in Skyrim where you do potentially have your face chewed off by a large crab creature, but I tell i getting confused with that in Fallout 3, but anyway, point being... No, there's, um, there's crabs in
1: Skyrim. There is. Right, there, crabs is crabs. there is.
0: I'm there sure there is. You can get
1: knocked there. out of... Yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you can. But, yeah, well, I, the the, the, the players can learn like obviously i think eventually you would learn like for what to look out for if you if you decided oh i'm just going to finish this so i'm just going to go to the important places um yeah. i think it, it it's there for you to discover that like yeah you can figure that out yeah. but yeah we, we just i just want people to relax man like this being this has been not the most fun last couple of years i think this is a really good game for that
0: <laughs> right it is now. I, it's, it's why i got you on it um yeah <laughs> The lack of dexterity challenges, I call them dexterity challenges, you know, the ones where you're basically sitting again. going, I mean, there are times when, there's that bit in Half-Life where you're jumping through crates, I'm like, what, am mm-hmm. I playing Mario now? What's this? If I wanted to mm-hmm. play a platformer, it wouldn't be an FPS. Anyway, <laughs> I played Churok. we've all been there. It's, no, no. Um so
1: little
0: crime i'm just saying yeah <laughs> um but um but in submerged hidden depths there are puzzles and there are spatial puzzles and i just uh i love them i love doing them i really love like being like okay i've got to get the sphere have got to put it in there but it's gone down there now how do i get down there i mean it's got that's got a little winch but how do i get there that's okay let's try and figure this out and there's these lovely spatial puzzles that you created—they're not too challenging, but they're—they're—they're they're, they're there to engage the the brain and to make sure that you're mm-hmm. drawn into, you know, this little. Uh, there is like what we—a uh, question asked: Why are all this stuff made? It doesn't really matter. The fact is, it's here. I have to ask: How did you find designing these puzzles?
1: Uh, tricky because they're—they're they're more complex than what we originally did. Like if you consider. In the, in the broadest terms, like each, each of the major buildings is a maze, you know, like that, that's, the, that's the sort of basis for the, uh, the play direction and the puzzle solving. But then we introduce logic gates, you know, like just simple things like that to make it more interesting, like you say, make it a bit more intricate. Um, but they have to always be, it has to be something that can't be broken. Like the player cannot get into a state where uh, you know they they drop the rock over the side of a the thing and it falls into the water or they hit a switch too early or anything you know like that's that's stuff we had to be careful of because we want to make sure everybody that attempts this place will be able to complete it. Um, there's never supposed to be a, a head scratching moment other you know other than you sort of like like you say like gauging the space and 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 doing that little bit of mental arithmetic. Yeah, but I didn't didn't really want people to then have to go. Ah, you know, I need a strategy like this. <laughs> um, it, it It's so it's it's tricky to to develop them that way to make them interesting enough, not too challenging, um, and yeah, and not not breakable was 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 actually quite fiddly. But, yeah, uh, like you're talking about the dexterity st- side of things mm. again. In some one, we we did have some. And we ultimately took them out because they were a failure state and people who were playing the game just weren't interested in failure states. They didn't want to actually accidentally fall off the plank. Um, And, and that actually goes a long way back even to when I was playing a game, like uh, I think it was even the first God of War or something, but there was just a level where you were crossing narrow things. And if you fell off, you would instantly die. And then it would load you at a checkpoint that was like five seconds before. And I just didn't understand what the point of that interaction was from, from, for a, for myself, for a player, like it just wasn't fun when I knew that the repercussion was nil. So if you decide that the repercussion is nil, then don't put the challenge in in the first place. Mm. So yeah, that that's why there's no dexterity challenges in the game because they just they weren't a good match. You can't have fail states. You can't tell people that you're safe. Um, the, the other part of the game is you can't fall off the world in, anywhere. You can't accidentally fall off. You know you're in these giant skyscrapers and you cannot you know accidentally get off a ledge and fall down to your death because i just hate that stuff when especially in games where you're doing ledge climbing and it's a quirk of the controls that costs you your life me. you know like where you accidentally leap backwards off a ledge because you accidentally press the button at just the wrong time like that stuff gives me the shit so anyway there's none of that <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate that. Shot. Which, which you know, you could argue that that we would talk about sort of um, Tomb Raider uh, before the show, and like, yeah, that game, thats all our game was about. It's like doing that. Mm-hmm. The only reason mm-hmm. you failed is because of the controls and how quirky and like, yeah, hang on, that's not yep. fair. Well, uh, have you played Prince of Persia? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all well, of it, those. It's actually.
1: Tomb Raider and Uncharted and, you know, those games. Like, it is one of the things for us to overcome is people's perception. If you look at the game in screenshots and things, it looks a little bit like a third-person, you know, action game like Uncharted. And and people can come to it with that with the wrong impression. And it is literally, like, it is not those games. It is so the opposite of those games. And it makes it, you know, it's a challenge for us just in, in talking about the game and getting it across to the public, like, knowing that, you know, how, you know, People might get turned off by oh look it's one of those games where I'm just going to fail over and
0: over again. It's just it's just not that game. No, it's it's more aligned to Journey. Someone cited it as uh, it's similar to similar uh, sort of. I would love to be compared to Journey. Journey
1: yeah. is is the gold standard.
0: It uh, is, even though it, yeah. uh, it's creators suffered a lot, in its yes. create, and it's it's very sad to hear when you find out more and more. It's like oh dear, that's terrible yes. because what they made was beautiful. Um, and uh, but uh yeah, um I think it's for me I I put submerged hidden depths in the same sort of category um, uh, as um as well it's it's very similar to um Journey and also um Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. I've got the same kind mm-hmm. of feeling from that. Which mm-hmm. I really loved, uh because um well that's a game that asks more questions than you could possibly answer um yeah and one of the ones is no one explains who you are in that game not once right not once and it's just it
1: and um gone home hopefully like yeah yeah yeah. walking simulators were becoming a thing when we were working on submerge 2 and i think that also helped show the way you know it's like oh we don't have to do these you know that's those are first person not shooters you know, like, oh, first person can be used for something else. Third yeah. person can be used for something
0: else. It doesn't yeah. have
1: to just be chasing chasing pixels around and narrowing
0: and them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last question, then. Here we go. All, All good right. things come to an end. At least I hope the, thought it was a good thing. Um, it's been fantastic so far. <laughs> I want to talk about the water. Yep. But again, going back to Tomb Raider. People citing Tomb Raider, I don't know why. Maybe because it's a third-person action-adventure game, one of the earliest examples of it. In the almost freeform experience, but that championed water. It's one of the earliest games that really showed what you could do with water. It wasn't a really when you look at the technology itself, you realise, oh wait, it's just a different texture. Don't worry, but at least you know it looked like water. Whereas mm-hmm. the water in Submerged Hidden Depths is incredible. Thank you. Know, you. I, I put Good. it up there with I put it up there with with uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Um, you know that that that's. That that was a that was the, a feature more than a feature. Mm-hmm. It became another character in that game. Similarly with Submerged and Depths. I do genuinely believe that you turn the water into almost an NPC of, of sorts. Sounds a bit mm-hmm. sort of pretentious, but the only way describe it, it's it's something. Well, it's so present and, it and it it's such a
1: big part of the world. Absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah. So how? How much do you think you've lent into that in its design? Was it, is it something it comes uh, happy? Yeah, yeah.
1: Like <laughs> very, like when we started uh, the production of this one, like my first question was, how are we going to make the best? It was a bit of a wank, but it was how are we going to make the best water ever seen in a video game? Was what I said. Right. And, um, and we were like, okay, well that's <laughs> that's a lofty goal, but let's try. And we're still we were still starting from a fairly small team, but uh, like it's an Unreal Engine game, we have a very long-standing, fruitful relationship with Epic, and they've always been super helpful. So we asked one of the local reps in Australia, Chris Murphy, um, that question was like, "How are we going to make the best-looking water that's ever been done?" You know, how are we, not just anybody, but we, with our team and the experience that we've got? And he gave us a bunch of useful technical advice from the outset, but. But that shows you like, it really was a consideration from the beginning. We knew we wanted to do way better than the first game. The first game, you can't see through the water. like It's not translucent. We couldn't get the performance to do that. Um, so we wanted you to be able to see what had happened to the world underneath the waves. We wanted you to be able to see the fish and the, the creatures that are living under, underneath the water, um, especially when you're spending so much time on it, like you say, boating around. And we wanted it to react to the boat and the creatures. Um, so, yeah, we lent we into it hard. And, and partly because there's, I don't know if it's a Western thing, but there is a part of our psyche that associates that kind of water with the beach and holidays and relaxing. You know, it's it's a tropical environment, and I think we've come to understand that that is a signal. You know, I wanted people to be able to go, this is beautiful, clean, pristine water, you know, so that in, in itself is a relaxing thing to be near.
0: Yeah, it's not, not although vast stretches the stretches of the sea is not that at all. It's more like the North Sea, which oh boy. Uh that's 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 not serene and relaxing. That's just we've got to have some
1: variations. You, you gotta, gotta have got to have the yeah. highs so you can appreciate the lows.
0: Well yes. that's yeah highs certainly how they made <laughs> North Sea oil rigs still bothers me. But you know the Yeah, anyway, that's human endeavour. <laughs> It's like, yep. Well, any yep. you're going to do what you can to get the oil right. Well, okay, <laughs> um, but no, you're right. It's that there is a the, the people think of uh, the 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 sea. They often think about beach holidays and serene and relaxing and that kind of thing. Not not waves the size of you know. I will tell um, yes that, Not the open uh, ocean <laughs> no, unless they're thinking about jaws or something, I don't know you know yeah. and then that becomes a whole different thing, but uh I just really if if it was your intention to make the water a character in the game, then uh, mission yeah successful. Is, uh, yeah, mission succeeded, so to speak. Uh, it, it definitely de- feels that way. It feels like uh, there's a there's another character in here. It's not just the two protagonists. It's also nice. the thing they're 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 pootling around on. And yeah. um, I do know that video games have had an interesting relationship with water. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and um, and uh, i we we've, we've both seen it evolve over the years from, like I say, a simple. Transparent texture on ultimately the same thing to actual fluid mechanics, which is a whole separate science. Uh something that computers have been struggling with. The mathematicians have been using as models for for millennia uh, because water is so. Odd liquids mm-hmm. are so because you can't predict where really they're going to go, which is why modeling them is not impossible. These are all things that you probably know about or encountered when you've talked to programmers about the act of doing this. It's, it's, it's really complex maths, very complicated mm-hmm. maths. And it's one of the few aspects of video game development it is does, does rely on heavy mathematics to, to understand which, which well, and, and it's all trickery
1: yeah. for us too like yeah that is that the, the ocean just remember the ocean in, in submerged hidden depths is the terrain yeah it is the what you would normally consider the terrain in, in a in any other game so yeah. we had to modify their terrain system to be the ocean because it is you know it's the thing that you're on all the time it is, it um, is. and it's just incredibly complex shader work on top of the terrain Um I, I uh, man, I could show you a screenshot sometime of the the back end of what's driving that ocean, but it is it is a nightmare uh that I would never wish to to go into. Yeah. But it works.
0: I know. It's a black box syndrome, unfortunately. Uh yeah. and uh, you know it's like what was that what if we just move that semicolon and put that there. No, there, it's all gone. <laughs> it's just all collapsed, collapse. Yes. And no one yes. knows why, but you need to put that thing in there. It's, uh, I know Terry Pratchett wrote about that. and Many, uh, many books uh, were about this, this machine it would only work if there was a hamster in this wheel and that, that second cog, if you move it to the third cog, the whole thing would just collapse and cause a, terrible black hole to appear and no one knew why um
1: that sounds like (laughs) optimization optimizing the ocean in particular was not easy for different platforms
0: no no No. i couldn't appreciate it i played it on the pc Uh, my my machine is i bought it just before the collapse of everything uh so i have oh okay i even have an rtx sort of it's a 2070 super but it's like yeah, it looks amazing on that machine. On this,
1: you've probably machine. seen it looking better than I have. Actually,
0: yeah. <laughs> my my machine is getting on a bit. Yeah, I I I I I had to upgrade it because the CPU was eight years old, uh, and it's like mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was yeah. that's I got I to need so now I've got a, a Ryzen nine in it. It's ridiculous, ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> I know it's going to be fine for another ten years, I suspect. Yeah. Um, which is why I built it that way. So, yeah, I don't want to do this again because it's changing the motherboard and wrap It's just yeah. Anyway. Well I think
1: you're proud, proud of you're depriving a a, a a Bitcoin farm of its own. Oh so, like, I feel I feel like so proud
0: of yourself. I feel so sad. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um on, on that really old note. Submerged Hidden <laughs> Debts uh, as is developed by uh, uppercut games. Great name, by the way. Where's that come from? That uh
1: that was uh we were feeling punchy to be br- <laughs> brutally honest. We we had quit. 2K, we were somewhat disgruntled, and yep. we went through a bunch of names, but I wanted something that felt combative. So yeah. that's where we landed.
0: It's either that or colour and animal. That works too, you know. Yeah, there's, but there's, uh, a,
1: there's a lot of that about I know, yeah. I know.
0: Just <laughs> say, could have been yellow pig games,
1: but no, you went for it. Well... <laughs> I can tell you that the runner-up was Knife Duck, and so there you, there you go. There, we didn't go with Knife Duck. There
0: you go. Although <laughs> you can I see could, there's knife in it though. So I it could see the logo the though. I could see it now. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, good. But no, other cut games. And uh, could you tell us what platform Submerge Hidden Depths is available on, please?
1: So already available on Stadia. Uh, but we're bringing it out to PlayStation Four, PlayStation Five, Steam, Epic Game Store. Xbox One, Xbox
0: Series X, there you go. Nice. And it's Windows PC, is it? Uh... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just to make sure. Okay, good. Well, Ed, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the
1: uh, the opportunity to talk.
0: Yeah. You're more than welcome to come back. We do have re- repeat guests. Uh, current record holders are Inkle with four. They've been on four times. They're prolific developers, but, you know, um, and they're proud of it. Uh, but, uh, yes, you're more than welcome to come back to chat about whatever next is is brewing in, in the realm of uh, uppercut games. But until then, thanks very much. No worries. Thank you, Chris. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash canaan and Rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website